Welcome to the future of XYZ. I'm your host, Lisa Grelnick, principal and founder of LVG & Co., an independent strategy consultancy based in New York City. Through quick and candid conversations with innovative leaders, we aim to foster new thinking and explore big questions about where we are as a world and where we're going. Happy April Fool's Day, everyone. Uh, today, we, because it is April Fool's Day, at Future of XYZ are going to be speaking about the future of comedy. And we are honored to have Lynn Harris join us. Lynn, welcome to the Future of XYZ. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Lynn is a perfect person to talk about the subject of comedy. She is a multi-hyphenate, I will start with saying a New Yorker, an award-winning creative and writer, a former stand-up comedian herself, an activist, and the CEO and founder of Gold Comedy, which in 2016 she founded as the go-to platform for Gen Z women and non-binary folks who want to be their funniest selves. So Lynn, uh, we're gonna be talking with you today about the future of comedy. So I guess the starting point is what, I mean, we're talking about comedy. What is your take on what comedy is as a very basic definition? Comedy is what makes you laugh. Um, <laughs> comedy is, uh, actually no, comedy is taking what makes you laugh and working at it. So comedy is laughter plus work, you know, because anything can be funny, but not everything that is that is funny is comedy. That's so, so interesting yeah. as a distinction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Funny. So, so tell me, what is your, so how did you get involved in comedy? It's not something, I mean, as you mentioned, it's the work part. Were you always naturally funny and you just decided to keep going? Uh, I was an only child. Um, I was very accustomed to attention. Uh, my parents thought I was hilarious. Um, so I just kind of cruised, you know, just surfed that wave um, onto the stage. Um, and um, my family on both sides is very different and has very different senses of humor. But um, being funny was always rewarded with a laugh. Um, and, um, and always kind of cultivated and, and was seen as a positive thing. And so, um, and so I just, I didn't make a decision about it. I didn't say to myself, I'm funny, um, or I want to be funnier or anything like that. It just was my, it was my comfortable place. And I think also, especially in high school, um, even before that, I wasn't the, um, let's just say I I went to, well, I went to a high school where, um, I had a good time in high school, but I went to a high school where the girls, the other girls could kind of burst into lacrosse the way that like the, the kids on fame burst into song. And that was not my area. I'm five one, I'm, I will never be willowy. I'm not blonde. I, through the magic of Sunyan, I have been blonde, but I'm not blonde. Like that was just not my space. And they were kind of the dominant culture. Uh, they were nice. I was, was fine, but they were. I, it, I just was not going to fit into that kind of dominant um, alpha culture. So um, my that's really why I. I think I think that's why I especially embraced sort of being um, Janine Garofalo in the Truth About Cats and Dogs as opposed to Uma Thurman. It's very funny that you say that. I was going to ask as a natural proclivity, like, was it like voted, you know, class clown or was like, was that something you were able to be, you know, on stage, if you will, both literally and figuratively? Yeah, I kind of, I remember um, 
you know, yes, when I remember when um, our teacher, Mr. Amram would walk into Latin class, sometimes I would be just climbing back in the window. Um, but I also got away with it because I was kind of a nerd. So um, I did well. Um, and I never pushed it too hard. So um, so it just, yeah, it just kept being, it just kept, you know, funny just kept being my happy place. I like that as a happy place because of course, funny and comedy make everyone happy. And we're coming out of uh, hopefully seeing some springtime sunshine on this April Fool's Day. Hopefully it's not a fool's errand, but um, you know, comedy and laughter and humor is so important for the human psyche, right? Yes. Yeah, and actually, in honor of April Fool's Day, I am just going to say that 2020 didn't happen. So <laughs> I'm not really sure what you're talking about. That's like gaslighting. That's that is that <laughs> is, right. is that the same thing as, as as comedy? Yeah, let's. All right, let me let, let me back off that one. Yeah, that's true. I don't never want to gaslight. Yes, I think um, in general, the other thing I wanted to say about just me gravitating toward humor was not. This is to answer your later question actually really wasn't only about being funny it was about being around funny mm -hmm. and especially in like I gravitated toward other people who just cracked me up and um in college also like that's where that's where my sort of that was my um my north star was just being drawn to people in many different styles and ways who I just thought who cracked me up and when you hang out with people who are funnier than you you also without being competitive it's not necessarily competitive at all um you also just kind of up your game and it's true with anything right i mean if you yeah. if you if, if you level up everyone levels up yeah so and i think that's part of what um to answer your current question i think that's part of what humor at any rate is all about it's um i do think it's true i mean sure laughter is the best medicine i mean it's well it's the second best right the um, probably the covid vaccine is the best medicine but um but it's not just, I think that kind of reduces it to not really the point. Um, sure, of course, there's like science about how laughter makes you feel better, it reduces cortisol, all those things. Yes, 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 we know that. But I, I also think um, there, it reinforces your sense of belonging mm -hmm. because when you and another person get the same joke, then you belong together. It makes you feel less alone. Um, especially when the rest of the world is going off the rails. If you can find the people who think the same way about that, then you feel less alone. And that's been especially true during um, the pandemic and the quarantine, because if you notice like a lot of the comedy, the, and specifically comedy, like the, per, you know, the, the um, people creating comedy, a lot of the comedy that came out of the, ver of the first few months of the pandemic, um, was self-referential, self-deprecating comedy about all of us going bananas. <laughs> and it was, um, you know, it was um, John Krasinski's show, um, Some Good News, right? It was, um, uh, but it was about like, it, it was clearly him in his house and everybody was disheveled, you know? And SNL had a ton of different sketches about, you know, people um, losing their minds on Zoom or starting to, you know, use, use uh, Sharpies as makeup or, you know, um, and and that was it. That made it a shared experience in a way that um, really couldn't have happened after September 11th. Just to like, just to pull a downer out of my hat, you know. Um, uh, where? But an important one. I mean, it's the last major, major tragedy that collectively we felt, right? And and yeah. and this was this collective tragedy of COVID and the lockdown has been even more profound in the sense that like everywhere 
on every corner of this globe, people have been feeling the effects of it. Yeah. And I think this one is different. I, I could, we could have a whole separate podcast as to all the reasons why they're different, but the, after September 11th, when I was doing standup, um, it really felt for a little while as if there would be no more laughter, like that you could not do, it was not possible. It was not there. You couldn't see it yet. You know, you, you couldn't see where the, there was no humor. It was just, no, it was just all a, a big black hole. And, um, little by little, we, you know, we, we, we scratched our way out of that and found the humor, not in what had happened, but in the impact it had on us, which is what happened, which is, that's, that is similar to what happened with the pandemic, but we could do it faster because um, the funny stuff was happening at the same time as the, as the tragedy. Well, and, and when we think about the tragedy, I mean, there is something to be said, and I appreciate you're bringing up something as tragic and as, you know, as you say, dark as 9-11, because the counterbalance to darkness, of course, is light. And we think about comedy and then humor and laughter as levity, right? It is this lightness. And, and I think it's the human way of coping. You know, if you can't laugh at yourself, right? Usually you're not particularly healthy physically, emotionally, psychologically, etc. If you can't laugh with others versus at others, right? You're not really in that communal situation as you talk about. And, and the last year has in many ways been extraordinarily dark. I mean, on so many different levels, not to mention politics, not just in the US, but globally have been off the rails quite a bit as well. And I think for me, at least as, as a non-comedy person, but as someone who really appreciates laughter and levity, you know, the lightness of the dark, uh, I found comedy was better than ever in some ways last year. Um, yeah. Right? Yes. Um, I mean, the business, um, you know, let's just, you know, let's just, you know, as an aside, let's acknowledge um, that it's been devastating. The business um, has been devastating or devastated for club owners, performers who, um, really, uh, you know, relied on road work and the stuff that you really can't um, necessarily, it's not easy or natural for every single comedian to be like, no problem, I'll just go to Twitter. Like it's, it's, it's not everyone's style. Some amazing comedy has happened online and it was happening even before the pandemic. So it's not, that wasn't entirely new. And there are new things flowering. We can come back to that. But, um, but the, there is a, you know, also science, um, there is a sense in which it's to, to make, to um, add levity, to make light of a difficult situation or any situation is not trivializing it, but rather you can't make a joke about something or, or um, find what's funny in it until or unless you are able to hold it at a slight distance from yourself. Like you can't see at all what's, you, you can't. And so, and, and so by definition, holding something at a slight distance from yourself means it's not consuming you. It isn't you. It is something that is happening to you and you can observe and reflect upon it enough to be like, okay, why is this funny? Yes. And that's why, you know, even the, you know, all the psychologists that I've talked to have said comedy is great um, or just the act of trying to write jokes um, and, 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 and find, the, find what's funny even in tough stuff is so, uh, you know, salutary. 
It's interesting too, because gold comedy obviously is really focused on uh, women, number one, right? So that those younger women, but also non-binary folks who, you know, as, as we know as women, number one, um, I, I can't speak for the rest, but like this, this experience and challenge of being different, of being, you know, on the margins in some ways and of processing, you talked about the community of comedy before, Will you talk about like when we think about the future, because you're kind of supporting the future of comedy with these people, but also the empowerment, as you said, that comes from keeping some difficult things perhaps at, at a little bit of a distance from you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, comedy is great for young women and young, young women are great for comedy. And by, by saying young women, yes, definitely. I also mean non-binary folks. I also mean just anyone, basically anyone who is not um, a, you know, a straight cis white dude, many of whom are very funny. That's not my point. Um, but there, if you, if you, if you Google around looking for like videos on how to learn comedy, um, uh, stuff like that online, almost to a one, you are going to find, um, you're going to find, you know, cis looking white dudes, um, who, which is fine. But then as you, if you listen for another few seconds, you're going to find that their first example joke is, uh, is, you know, being mean to their girlfriend, or it's a fat Kirstie Alley joke. And so, which fine, I don't care. You can do mediocre jokes all day long. I'm not going to get up. I have bigger fish to fry in terms of, you know, feminism and patriarchy, but I'm like, well, dude, I'm not your customer then I guess, huh? And so, um, even just at that level, um, um, creating a community for people who are just not going to vibe with right out of the gate fat, fat Kirstie Alley jokes with apologies to Kirstie Alley that's a dumb joke um I mean it's so old hat too it's just I like mean, what what year are we in I know I mean in fairness I don't know how old that video was but like it's but that's <laughs> one of a million like they're all they're this they, you know I could pick another one um in any case so creating a, a community where um that does not separate you from the comedy world but that gives you a really fun, nice incubator yeah. to do your stuff and not be the only girl in the class. Uh, one girl, <laughs> one um, we have, we have like we have some middle schoolers, high schoolers, and then on up into their twenties, and then some older women who are just like I just like it here, um, and and a bunch of non-binary folks. And there's one, um, there's one, um, one kid who's a, a high schooler, and. Um, she, she, we were, she was at, we do open mics every week and uh, she chatted me during the open mic. Um, oh, and our open mics are awesome. They, we add value because we also give feedback. And so they're, right. they're the nicest open mics in the world. And she chatted me during the mic and she goes, you can tell period jokes and everyone gets to give feedback. This is way better than I expected. You know, <laughs> like, ha ha ha, women tell period jokes. It's not that. It's just that like, you would never do that in a, in, if you were the only woman. Uh, it's not about how women always do that. It's just that they would never like, and if that's- It gives you, it gives, it gives you permission in many ways to yeah. make light of things that again, might otherwise feel dark. Yeah, and, and where you, and also it gives you permission to talk about things where you know people are gonna get you. Yeah. You know, and, um, and not gonna roll their eyes. And like, you know, if you're the only woman in a room of dudes, you're not gonna do a period joke. Not because you're not, because you're shy about it, because they're all going to roll their eyes and be like, oh, women only, only do period jokes, you know? So um, anyway, um, so to be able to create that, that space, um, 
that we intend not to not to be its own space forever. I don't believe I don't I never call anything women's comedy. I never call anybody female comic. I never God help me ever call anybody a comedian um, <laughs> that to go into the trash bin of history along with all of 2020. But um, but um, there but uh, but there is I would I do want to create this like cool space where people can that is a launching pad. Um, where you can fast track all of the learning and find your comedy crew wherever you live. Um, and then like, you know, catapult people into this ever evolving um, world of comedy. So what do you think? I mean, as we think about the future of comedy, right? Where, I mean, I feel like as we talked about, there's so many more tools, there's so many more platforms. We've been exposed to so many people from around the world now. I mean, you have families who are suddenly like, you know, have their own YouTube shows and, you know, I mean, what is the future of comedy coming out of 2021 and looking ahead? Uh, it's, it, it is uh, good to mixed. Um, let's start with the, let's start with the bummers, get them out of the way. Um, it is true that, that there has been a great, there continues to be um, something that started even before the pandemic, which was a, um, a real powerful um, diversifying and democratizing of comedy because of the accessibility of platforms. We'll get back to that. But let's remember that actually, you know, we make a lot of assumptions there. Those platforms aren't available to everyone. Right. Um, they really aren't. And um, the time to, you know, the, 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 the wireless, you know, whatever it is there, it's not available to every aspiring or even beyond aspiring comic, whatever their situation may be. So they're left out of that, even though it is more democratic and diverse um, and accessible by far than it used to be. Yep. Um, a lot of these clubs are not gonna recover. A lot of standups are, are just not who need that. There's a lot of hilarious things you can do on Zoom because it's Zoom and all those things, there's ways to make the best of it. But a lot of that, the stuff you can't recover um and so um and and also there's now you can shoot you know you can shoot things but to, to be as a production to be able to afford to meet the covid protective restrictions only certain like only certain shows and networks and companies can can do that so i think there's there is a there is that's the like that's the bummer side of the equation and there and there's more you know of course. Um, but that's just and, and very real I mean, for all the creative arts, let's be honest, especially the performing totally. arts. But I think, especially in New York City, we noticed that the comedy clubs were hit especially hard because they never were able to reopen at twenty five percent capacity, et cetera. Yeah, and even if you can, then you just get then that's just like a then that's just a crappy crowd, you know? Like right. that's that's you don't want that, you know? Doesn't work. Um, yeah, scattered giggles, you know? It's just not. Um, it's not funny. Yeah, um, and it's not the energy that that the reason you became a stand up is is that energy, right? So giant bummer. Um, on the other hand, the, um, the level of, you know, there's the, the level of people talk about this with the other arts and in general that like, let's see what the, let's, you know, the Renaissance is coming um, and it's or it already happened, you know, um, um, of, of people inventing and reinventing ways, places and platforms to be funny, mm -hmm. um, doing it in ways that people find more and more affirming and nurturing, all those things. There's, um, it will happen, and and also this is very tactical, but it's really important. One of the big um, one of the big um, um, barriers um, to entry into the next level of comedy is finding a manager. It's mm -hmm. a it's a major barrier, and managers are. This has changed a lot in terms of managers are um, being much more um, had been being even before the pandemic much more thoughtful and resourceful. 
um, in terms of who they would, who they wanted to take on um, instead of, you know, taking on this white dude and that white dude's friends, right? Who are, by the way, white dudes. Um, and so that was already happening, um, I'm happy to say. But now what's great is that you, I am pretty sure that if you're funny in Kansas City or you're funny in Chattanooga or you're funny in um, you know, Glacier National Park or whatever, you probably don't have to move to New York, LA or Chicago um, to find a manager now. Um, yes. And uh, there's a level of education that's gone on about like, I kind of don't need to be um, face to face with people in order to uh, discover them. Um, now, this is not, you know, people, I may be wrong, um, and there's pieces of that that I'm not directly involved with, so I'm saying this with humility, but um, but that's what I keep hearing from, <laughs> we have a lot of celebrity and um, comedy celebrities and pros who come to talk to us on Wednesdays um, at Gold, and that's kind of a summary of what a lot of them have been saying, that it's not just being visible, because exposure is great, but only, you know, only it doesn't pay the rent, and it's, and anyone who thinks they get like discovered on, anyone who thinks people get discovered on Twitter, the <laughs> adage about that is, you know, an overnight success actually took 10 years. So <laughs> I don't mean to be facile, but but the specific thing of finding representation, not just being seen, yeah. um, I'm hoping um, will be made much more accessible by people just even as comedy clubs open, um, it's, it's, by having it normal to be found uh, virtually. It's, it's, it's a great hope because then we just bring more talent into the pool yeah. and, and more diverse voices then into the stage and we can laugh, you know, collectively uh, as, as we come out of this darkness. Yeah, so, there's one, um, there's one real quick, there's one um, member of Gold who had to move back to Kentucky to take care of her ailing parents and ailing mother. And um, she wound up getting her, because we had, a guest on who taught a, a mini class on topical comedy writing who writes for the Late Late Show. This one, this um, gold member in Kentucky, Kentucky wound up um, being able, having the opportunity to submit a packet to the Late Late Show. And that wouldn't have happened. I mean, yes, of course I take credit for gold, but, the, but that's the kind of thing yeah. that can happen without her leaving Kentucky. Which is wonderful. And there's lots of funny stuff we should be talking about in Kentucky right now. So just kidding. There's that, there's that. We have to make light of darkness. Yeah. Um, so as I watch time, I just want to ask one last thing, Lynn. I mean, you're so close and you've, you've made your career in, in you know, comedy um, and, and in humor and in, in lightness and that class clowning, if you will, which is such a gift to the world. On this April Fool's Day edition of you know, Future of XYZ, what's one thing would you recommend to anyone out there who is looking for their own levity and their own ability to, to, to find some comedy? TikTok. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. That's like, it is, I mean, it's just a gold mine. It's just, <laughs> and I'm really sorry that I just said that because if you I mean, I, I'm not like the, everyone knows, I'm not like, did you hear about this tiny new social media platform? No one's on it yet. You're going to be the first. That's not what I mean. But like, so now I'm not like exactly thinking outside the box here. Um, but, uh, and I also just like, if you haven't gone down a TikTok rabbit hole, uh, sorry, there goes your day. But like, it, it is so, um, it is, it, it honestly, it makes me laugh and it gives me hope um, because the, it's not only young folks, like there's one guy, I can't think of his name. There's one guy who's a, who's some sort of, um, man, my 
daughter would kill me right now, but uh, who da- who comes on? He's a he's a professor dude or a museum a natural history museum dude who comes on and tells snail jokes. <laughs> so it's not just like Gen Z saying things we don't understand. There, it's hilarious. There's and there's like niches and alleyways and all sorts of like sub areas of TikTok. Like you will find your place and you will just be inspired. Even though, as I said, it was it's not only young folks. Um, they, I just feel like comedy is in good hands with this generation. It's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Future of XYZ to talk about the future of comedy. I really appreciate it, Lynn. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Happy April Fool's Day. Happy April Fool's Day. And for everyone listening, if you don't already subscribe on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you're getting your podcast, subscribe to Future of XYZ. Follow us on LinkedIn and at Future of XYZ on Instagram. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Happy April Fool's. Thanks for listening to the Future of XYZ. If you like what you've been hearing, please follow Lisa Grelnick on LinkedIn. Visit future-of.xyz or subscribe to the Future of XYZ podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.